God, we thank you for being in this place. We thank you for your word. We pray now that you would speak by your Holy Spirit to each and every one of us so that we might hear your truth and respond to it in faithfulness and obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. A couple years ago, I was, I was driving with my son in our van, not the van that we have now, but our previous minivan. We were pulling out of a a store, and uh, we'd just been running some errands. We're getting ready to pull onto a busy street, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but all of a sudden, the car just died without any warning. I mean, no sputtering, no smoke, flash of red light, and then it's like cardiac arrest, and it was dead. <laughs> and um, so I applied what little mechanical ability I have to the situation. I turned the key again. <laughs> it didn't work. Turn the key and punch the gas. Didn't work. So we were, we were stuck. We were stranded for a little bit. We had to call a tow truck and, and be hauled away. And what had happened was that the power transmission was kaput. It was out. No movement, no power, no movement. We couldn't go anywhere. So you see the analogy I'm trying to work here on Pentecost Sunday, don't you? You know, so often as Christians, we get stalled, we get stuck, stranded. And it doesn't matter what we do, really. Um, we can read more books. We can go to conferences. We can go through programs. But we often lack power to do the things that Christ has called us to do. And what we celebrate on this great day, Pentecost Sunday, which for me is like it's, it's Easter, Christmas, and Pentecost Sunday. I mean, this is the birthday of the church. This is the day that the Lord poured his spirit out on the church, and the church came alive. This was a great day in the church calendar. And on the day of Pentecost, God gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church, and he breathes life into the church, and he can breathe new life into us, and in our, in, in, into our church, and renew us with his power. And that's what we want to have happen today. So I want to look at this story uh, this morning, the story of Pentecost, just to get a better understanding. If you take your uh, bulletin out, we'll just go through it and get a better understanding of the purpose of Pentecost. I just want to tackle this by asking three questions, simple questions. What happened on the day of Pentecost? And then why did it happen? And then what does it mean for us today? And we'll answer that third question kind of as we go along the way. What, what does this mean for us today? It was a unique event uh, for the apostles and for the disciples, but it also has something to say to us today because the same spirit that filled them fills us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, it says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Um, these are the disciples and the apostles, who uh, were at this point, they, you know, they had 11, and then they just had elected a new disciple because Judas betrayed Jesus. And so they elected Matthias. And then with the apostles were a, a total of about 120 uh, disciples, including, uh, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So that was quite an exciting prayer meeting. You had Mary, the mother of Jesus, his family there, and then that little band of apostles, only about 120 or so, who are going to change the entire course of history because of what happens on the day of Pentecost. 
quite remarkable. They're all together in one place. It was the day of Pentecost, which is a Jewish harvest festival. And that's significant because uh, the Jewish harvest festival was a celebration of the first fruits of the Jewish harvest. It was a joyous occasion for thanking God for what he has given to them and then anticipating the greater harvest that was to come. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost that we celebrate, is the first fruits of a great spiritual harvest because over 3,000 people on this day come into the kingdom of God through the preaching of the gospel through the apostle Peter. And that ingathering into the kingdom of God has continued until this day and will continue until the Lord returns. And so that's what they're, they're doing. They're celebrating the Pentecost feast. They're together in one place. They're praying. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit as the Lord has asked them to do, commanded them to do. And then suddenly, verse 2, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, or a, some translations, a violent wind. It, it was dramatic. It certainly captured their attention. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Uh, this work of the Holy Spirit is symbolized by wind, and, and that's significant because in the Old Testament, the word for spirit is, uh, is ruach. It, it means wind or breath. And where there is breath, there is life. Check to see if the person next to you is breathing. <laughs> Are we alive today? God is breathing his life. He is communicating his life through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does something amazing. The Holy Spirit um, uh, communicates to human beings the very life of God. And that's what ha is happening here. They're being filled with the life and the power of God. Wind also denotes, has a sense of freedom and power, and, and, and you can't control the wind. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that the wind blows where it wills. You can't really control the wind. We know that living as we do in an area prone to tornadoes, right? The sirens go off. We can't really control what's going to happen. You can't control the wind. It's powerful. It's uncontrollable. I think one of the things that the Lord has been trying to teach me these last couple of months is, is to be more spirit-led and let the spirit kind of control things and not try to figure things out in my own power, in my own strength, in my own intellect. And I think he wants us to do that as a church, to be a more spirit-led church. And, and prayerfully depend upon the Lord so that the Spirit can work things out. I was with somebody this week. His, um, I pray with every, every, pretty much every week, another pastor in the area. His son is a, a missionary uh, who's uh, being called back to Africa. Uh, right now, actually, he's, he, he's been working at a university in kind of a pretty secure position, but he's a missionary at heart. And God is calling this young man with his wife and two young children to go back to Africa to one of the poorest countries, I think it's Tanzania that he's being called back to. So this guy, this, this young man has really no resources on his own. The country, of course, has no resources. But they've asked him to come and help start a theological training center that eventually might become a college and a seminary. How are you going to do that without any money? <laughs> and so he's praying, he's seeking the Lord. He begins to share this vision with other people. And uh, he meets somebody, and this just happened recently, as he's sharing the vision of what God is calling him to do. The man says, I can't believe it. I have a chunk of money that I've been setting aside, $25,000, and I've, I've earmarked that to give to uh, churches in developing nations for theological training because I know that's such a, a need in Africa. 
Now, you, you can't plan that. You can't figure that out. You can't make that happen. That's a spirit-led thing. That, that man was praying about what to do with this money, and here's this missionary praying about where to get the money, and the spirit puts them together, and things happen. Yes, sir. And so the, the wind, we, we can't control what the Spirit is, is going to do. We have to depend, though, upon the Holy Spirit. We can pray, we can ask, we can't control, but we need to grow in dependence upon the Spirit. So this mighty rushing wind, surprising them, comes into the room, filling them. Divided tongues as a, a fire appeared on them, uh, on each of them, over their heads. Not literal fire, but something happened, something pretty mystical uh, happened and they saw these, these flaming sort of tongues. And fire is a symbol of God's presence throughout the Bible, isn't it? The Lord led the, the people of Israel through the wilderness with, with a cloud by day and what at night? A pillar of fire at night. Why? To signify his manifest presence, that he was with them. So fire in the Bible signifies the presence of God. It oftentimes signifies the purity because fire cleanses about holiness and about the presence of God. The Spirit of God is, of course, a holy spirit. And so this is all happening around them, and then something happens in them. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So we'll get back to the tongue speaking in a little bit because that's an area of controversy in the church. But the point here that I want you to see is this. The Spirit is not just working around them. The Spirit is filling them on the inside. And Jesus in our Gospel reading says this at a great, another great religious uh, festival, the Feast of Booths. He says, if you're thirsty, if you're spiritually thirsty, come to me. Isn't that interesting? Because these are religious people doing religious things. They're already at a religious festival. <laughs> you know, you can be doing religious things and still be thirsty spiritually. Just doing religious things doesn't fill you up spiritually. What you need is God to do a work in your life, in your heart. And Jesus is saying, if you're, that, if you're spiritually thirsty like that, you come to me and drink. I wonder if there's anybody here who is, is spiritually thirsty. Sometimes we go in and out of that, don't we? We get filled up with the things of this world. We get distracted by, I don't know, baseball, <laughs> food, money, career. That begins to fill us up. Entertainment, whatever. And then we sense, you know what, this isn't, this isn't doing it for me. There's still an emptiness here. God is calling me back. And if you're in that place, it's a good place to be in. That means God is working in your heart. Because most people, naturally, without the Spirit of God drawing us, we're not thirsty for the things of God. We'll try to be satisfied by the things of this world. But God designed us never to be satisfied by the things of this world. And so Jesus says on this great feast, all these religious activities going around, are you thirsty? Are you spiritually thirsty? Then come to me. Believe in me. And if you believe in me, you're going to receive something happening in your life. The Holy Spirit is going to come into you. And, and then this is the other good part. It's, it's not just for us. It flows out of us so that we become life-giving for others. So that our life is is life-giving for other people, for the glory of God. And we're useful for the kingdom. And so that's what's happening here um, with the disciples. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And that happens today, again and again. We all, as believers, have the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can't even say that Jesus is Lord, and that's the basic confession of the Christian faith. Jesus is Lord. You can't even say that without the Holy Spirit. So we all have the Holy Spirit as believers, but we need to be filled and refilled continually. What you see in the book of Acts is throughout. This wasn't just a one-time event, but if you read the book of Acts carefully, you'll see that there were time and time again where these disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just a one-time occasion, but it happened throughout their ministry. And so we might be filled. We might have experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. It might have been a dramatic, overpowering experience of the Holy Spirit at one time in our life. But guess what? The Lord wants to fill us again and continually refresh us with his presence and power. Why does God do this? Why does God do this on the day of Pentecost? Why does he fill his disciples with the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus tells us the reason why in Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. Father Matthew speaks. Uh, spoke about this last week, didn't he? Preached on this very thing, um, Matthew Walter. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon, upon you so that you can be witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the, word, uh, ends of the earth. And, and the Lord is saying to us, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you, Church of the Resurrection, can be witnesses to Chesterfield and town and country and St. Louis county and city, wherever I've placed you, wherever I'm going to send you, so that you can proclaim my word with power. See, that's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is for. It's to fill us with the power of God so that when we tell people about Jesus, there's a power there. So that there's something happening. God is at work. And, and they're being cut to the heart. They may not receive what you say, but God is working. They may be like some of the people on the day of Pentecost. They said, ah, oh, these people are filled with wine. They've hit the bottle early. They mock them because some people mock the things of God because they're afraid of what they don't understand. And so the defense mechanism is to mock. But other people on the day of Pentecost, as Peter explained what God was doing, this is a prophecy. This is something God planned a long time ago through the prophet Joel, that he, he, he wants to pour his spirit out on all flesh and not just restrict it to a few. And some people heard that message, and they said they, it says they were cut to the heart, and they wanted to know what they could do to be saved. And Peter says, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And 3,000 people came in to the church into the kingdom of God that day. That's a pretty good church growth rate, isn't it? 3,000 people, I would take a percentage of that. I'd take 1%. I'd take 5%. But in order for that to happen, we, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages, other tongues. They began to speak in languages they hadn't learned. Why? So that the message, the proclamation, the mighty works of God could go forth in power to the people who are there for this pilgrimage. This is, a, this is a sign. This is a kind of a preview of what God is going to do through the preaching of the gospel. It's going to be spread throughout the world so that people of all nations, languages, and tongues can hear the gospel being spread. 
Now, some Christians, by the way, read this story and they say, if you don't speak in tongues, you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you may have heard that theology, that doctrine, that speaking in tongues is always and everywhere the sign that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But I don't think that's Luke's point here. Tongues are a gift of the Holy Spirit. We read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Tongues are a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit gives these gifts as he will. And I think we should seek for all the gifts. I think we should seek for the fullness of the Spirit of God in our life and not be afraid of anything that the Lord wants to give us because the Lord is good. And Jesus said, if you ask a father for a, a, a loaf of bread, if a son asks a father for a loaf of bread, is he going to give you a scorpion? No. He's going to give his son something good. And God is like that. So we should ask for everything that the Lord wants to give us. And the gift of tongues and these other gifts here are available if we ask for them, and then we just let the Lord give us what he wants, okay? But, it's, it, but this theology that tongues are always a, a, an indication of the fullness of the Spirit, I don't think is Luke's point. For Luke, that when people are filled with the Spirit, they witness in word and powerful deed to the truth about Jesus. And, and so the, the witness is evidence of the fullness of the Spirit. The power to witness is evidence. And that's what happened on the, on the day of Pentecost. And that's why God gives the church the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can proclaim him in powerful ways and in such a way that when we do, when we share the gospel message, God is present in that proclamation. I want to just close, kind of close with this thought, this idea of power here, because um, there's different kinds of power. There is, there is the power that makes you do things you don't want to do, like the power of a really nasty boss who says, if you don't do this, you're going to be fired. Or the power of a violent dictator who demands that you toe the line or you can be tortured or thrown into jail. That's coercive power. Okay? And then there's another kind of power, and that is the power of love. The power of love, which changes you so that you do what God wants you to do. And that's the kind of power that God operates by. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit, too. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Romans 5, 5. The love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Don't you like that image of God pouring his love into the interior place, into the heart of a person? And when that happens, you begin to want to do what God wants you to do. You begin to love the way God loves. You begin to have the same priorities and the same heart that God has because his love has changed your heart. You begin to love what he loves. And that's what the work of the Holy Spirit does. That's the power, is the power of God's love for people. And that's what we need. I, I don't know about you, but I need more of God's love and fullness of his love in my life because without that, I can get some, the default mode for me is to be very self-centered and self-concerned. I need God's love poured into my heart in a fresh way, continually, to love my wife, to love my children, and to love people who don't know him, to love people who are perishing. And God has placed us in this neighborhood, friends, to love our neighbors. And the greatest act of love is to share the love of Christ and to witness to this week on Monday, I took a walk through the neighborhood um, down Highcroft Ridge Road. It goes right by the school. And um, I just took a prayer walk. Normally, I jog that route. So this was better. <laughs> this, was, this was enjoyable. And I got to kind of 
look around and, and take time and look at, you know, look at the people. And I saw a busload, a couple busloads of kids getting on the bus to go to summer school. My son was part of that crowd. And I just wondered, Lord, how many of those people, how many of those children know you and know your love? And then, you know, a little bit down the block, and I see some retirees working in the yard. I meet some people walking dogs. How many of these people, Lord, know you, love you? Help us. Give us a heart for them and fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can love them and share the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel that he died for the forgiveness of sins so that people might be reconciled to God. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Some of you aren't sure. <laughs> want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Want to be empowered for witness? We have to then prayerfully depend upon the Lord. And then we have to be willing to be like these apostles and go out and, and maybe people mock us. But some people will hear and they'll receive. And God will do great things as they're reconciled to him. I'm going to read you something the bishop uh, sent me this morning, a text. And I will close with this. Bishop Kim Ross, by the way, is doing better. He's recovering. And thank God for that. But he said this. I am praying for you and your church today that the Holy Spirit would anoint, fill, raise up, and send out. That we would be a kingdom presence with a proclamation and demonstration of the good news. Come, Holy Spirit, our souls inspire. Enlighten us with celestial fire. Thou the anointing spirit art, who dost thy sevenfold gifts impart. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh. Let's pray.